Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to the post-Carabao Cup, Mickey Mouse Cup, thrown out the window. It didn't even matter from the start, but here we are joining you as always. Myself, Brandon, Dan, and Nick here to go over it. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Nick, it's snowing. Dan, it's probably raining. It's cold here. Nothing is going well <laughs> in our lives, so here we come together to go over it. And right away, Nick, we've got a theme for today, and it is not nearly as clever or witty as last last weekend's. Yeah. Um, thank you for the dramatic lead-in. Um, I, I titled the show today a frightful performance. It's Halloween, Dan. Mm. Dan, don't you get it? Mm-hmm. It's Halloween, thus frightful. Yeah, you don't want to take the candy from Nick Verlaney's house. That's all I know. Oh, all oh, right. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, okay. Frightful. Frightful. <laughs> cool. Indeed, it was. It was. Uh, you're very relevant. You're very on point, direct into it. Uh, so we're going to be talking, obviously, about Chelsea's premature exit from the Carabao Cup. I was about to say, what, what, were gonna, what were you going to say there, bud? <laughs> that I just, you know, for dramatic effect, leave a little pause there, let the <laughs> imaginations run. But here we are, we're back at it. Um, but before we get to the negative, we do have a lot of positives, starting off with the iTunes reviews. Dan, we have three new best friends we want to give a little shout out to. Yeah, Midweek Heroes for dropping some five-star love for Apple on Apple Podcast for us. We had uh, Saif, we had Mobsby93, and then Kuin Machine, all giving a five-star love there. Uh, one gave a shout-out for the Chelsea youth, so hope I think they're probably referencing our friend Phil, who jumped on the show with us. Uh, definitely can't wait to get him back on. But yeah, just all around nice things to say. We really appreciate it. And again, leave a five-star review between now and the next match versus Watford, and we'll get that read on our match recap there. All right. Uh, obviously, we have our Patreon. If you want to support us, biggest access right now besides, well, mainly just our Discord. The game day chat is banging in there. Uh, and a lot of a lot of um, think tanking going on today during and after the match, trying to figure out what went wrong. Uh, and lastly, Nick, over to you for some promo codes. That is right. Uh, as you know, we are doing our Christian Pulisic uh, shirt giveaway. Uh, this is done very easy. Uh, if you're a, a downloader of the Anchor app, you can leave us a voice message right there, um, which is 
very efficient, uh, easy way to do it. We're basically trying to get a whole bunch of messages for support uh, to support Christian. And so we just want to kind of hear your thoughts um, for him so far. And then we're going to bundle him up and send him over. Uh, so hopefully you can feel like he's uh, at home a little bit during the, the Thanksgiving period. Um, so that'll be nice. Uh, then, uh, obviously, you guys know uh, code LONDONPOD for 10% off on World Soccer Shop. We have a previous uh, Jersey winner who we have not yet found in the depths of the Amazon rainforest. Matt Burks, if you're listening to this podcast, we need you to email us or DM us on Twitter or whatever. Get a hold of us so that we can give you uh, your shirt for winning the last contest. If you do not, by this time next week, it shall go to someone else. So uh, that is the uh, the very loose threat that I'm giving via this podcast. Uh, yeah, tell, you, yeah. Look, you kind of have to be present to win these things, people. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not. You know, it's been like two weeks. So um, otherwise, Talisman Caps, London Blue Ten. You know what the deal is. We'll have a, a new thing with them coming soon. We're just trying to finish up our Christian Pulisic thing first. All right. Well, look. Here we go. It is the match review portion. Obviously, we played Manchester United in the Carabao Cup at Stamford Bridge. <sighs> Chelsea won, United two. Look, I'm not happy about it, but what you know, Marcus Stratford with the penalty in the 25th minute. Mishi literally on his own, responding in the 61st minute, and then 73rd minute. When I saw it lined up, extremely innocuous, even laughing at the fact that Rashford was setting up as if he were going to shoot it. Insert foot into mouth, 73rd minute. 2-1. Uh, but before we dissect it, Dan, we got we to gotta give a little contest. We got to context. We got to set it up. And we got to start with the lineup. Yeah, rotation was the name of the game. Willie Caballero gets the start in goal. Reese James in for Aspliqueta. Kurt Zuma, Mark Gehi was there next to Marcus Alonso, who is not getting a break at the moment due to Emerson picking up a little bit of an additional knock on his road to recovery. Jorginho and Kovacic get started again. Billy Gilmore comes in for most likely a Mason Mount, Calm hudson Doy, Christian Pulisic, hero from the weekend, gets a start, and then Mishi Batshuayi for Tammy Abraham. Substitutes included Tammy Abraham, Pedro back again, Olivia Giroux, Mason Mount, Cesar Esplaqueta, Jamie Cumming, and Tarek Lampety. And uh, this was also the first time that Jorginho, captain each side in his senior career for club or country. So that was a neat little element to this match. Uh, Nick probably deserved for the way that he's been uh, showing his effort on and off the pitch this season. That is the, uh, that is the order of events with the vice captain is when, the, <laughs> when the captain is not on the field, uh, the vice captain will take over. Shock. Um, no, but I mean, certainly deserved. I mean, we'll talk about all the, all the fatigue and everything coming in. But if, if Cesar Espilicueta is not going to be on the field, Brandon, it is super important to have leadership. And I, I think Marco Worrell and a bunch of our, our Chelsea friends who were at the match were uh, commending him on, on trying to guide an admittedly pretty young team through a, a tough fixture and, uh, I think he deserves credit for stepping up today. Well, for sure. I mean, obviously, Caballero has a ton of experience. Jorginho is with the kids. I mean, obviously, Alonso has a bunch of experience. Kovacic, kind of. Zuma, kind of. You know, Batshuayi, kind of. Everyone else is like a U22 player at this point. Um, some of them are U16 players, Billy Gilmore. But the point is... There wasn't a lot of options. He really had to step up and, and do it for uh, the team. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Stat lines, Chelsea had 12 shots, two on target. United had seven shots, three on target. Chelsea was 66% possession. 15 fouls to their 13, two yellow cards apiece. Surprisingly not a red card for United after all the consistent fouling from McTominay. Anyways, if just the way it kind of shook out a little bit for us is it's not great. We, we on paper you did everything right. 
But I think this is the reverse of scoring four goals when you had a 1.1 expected goals, and now you get one when you probably were looking for more at this point. So I think the first place we want to go um, is is the first is taking a look at the deputies, the players who came in from the fringes, from you know the beyond to come in and play because that's what Lampard has been doing with the Carabao Cup. You've got Reese James, Gehi, Gilmore, Hudson Adoy, Batshuayi, Pulisic. Not a lot of big minute guys there. You know, um, you can even throw in Caballero if you want. Uh, but Nick, let's just go down the order. Obviously, Mishi getting the start. Um, he, he, you know, he's been chipping in goals, doing well in Europe. Got an, a huge goal today. Uh, but overall, what did you think of his presence in the team? Uh, tough. I think he had a tough day. Um, he obviously had a, a really good moment and and possibly could have had another, um, you know, had he stayed on his feet. But uh, I think, you know, there, there have always been these kind of comments that, you know, while he is kind of an out-and-out goal scorer, while he does have the poacher's instinct, that he doesn't always link up best with the team. You know, he is very much like a, you know, do-it-all kind of striker, and that was never more apparent than today. Um, <laughs> it, 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 there was no rhythm or flow. And I, I think from an overall standpoint, Dan, my, my feedback on this game is that where at times this season we have looked so dialed in offensively and the movement's been so good and everything has kind of clicked, today was as disjointed as we've looked maybe since United the first time um, it was, it was kind of brutal at times to watch and just not, not a whole lot of fun. I, I just, I think that's expected. <laughs> when I saw the lineup, I, my immediate concern was how well and how incisive will this team be in attack when you have Kovacic and Jorginho working with Gilmore, who we'll talk about in a moment, but that link up has to be successful to then get Callum, who's looked like a player who's in recovery, like a player who's getting back up to top speed and building comfort back up with his Achilles. You have Pulisic, who's riding high, but he, you can't score three goals every game. So that's going to be rough. You have James coming back in, building up his form. So in my mind, I felt like we were going to struggle in that. And I was looking for. Mishi to do a couple of the things that he did in the second half that he didn't really do in the first half, Brandon. I felt like in the second half, he bodied up McGuire a little bit better. He was holding up the ball a little bit better. But for the first 45 minutes, I was wishing that Tammy had been in the team to start because I felt like United were there for someone who was going to link up a little bit better and be able to hold up and distribute against a really tough opponent in Harry McGuire. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, Mishi is a little too greedy with his play, but I understand why. It's because he's desperate to succeed and prove himself. But unfortunately, it's at the peril of the team. He had another chance later on in the second half where he had someone wide open on his right, and he decided to dribble into the box deeper and ended up getting out-muscled by Maguire. And, you know, those are the times when the striker has to know um, – when to be selfish and when to, you know, pass. And he just missed it, unfortunately, on a couple of opportunities today. Um, you know, I'm happy he's continuing to make progress because at the end of the day, if your striker's scoring a goal a game, they're doing everything and more that you're asking them for. But like you said, there's some extra things that Chelsea have come to expect from their striker this season from Tammy. And a lot of that is link-up play, and it just wasn't there today. The, another one, obviously, getting minutes is Billy Gilmore. He, he's coming in, had a really good match when we were there live to watch Chelsea play uh, in, the, in the earlier round. Uh, Naz Kinsella on Twitter saying, Chelsea ended that match with 65% possession, but only two shots on target. I felt like they lacked drive in midfield or threat in wide areas. Loftus, Cheek, or Barkley would have been big weapons today. So if you've got Billy Gilmore, Dan, Mar Mateo Kovacic, and Jorginho, 
Where do you see drive and attacking threat in that midfield? Uh, it's not very evident. And I think the joke that we had on our Discord server today is, what would you do if Mateo Kovacic today, uh, was scored today? It's like the inverse of a Klondike bar commercial. because We know what Klondike Yannick bars, would be doing. You can get everywhere. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't listened to the last episode, uh, Yannick has a pretty... Uh, Stupid Pretty tweet. Picture he painted around <laughs> what he'll do if Kovacic scores. It it just it there was not a lot of strong bodies in that midfield. And I think the challenge was is that Kovacic's work works really well when he can play in between a, a Mason and a Jorginho, where Mason's pushing a little bit forward, further forward, but also track back, and Kovacic can interchange between the two, not have to go as deep to be maybe the ball winner or the the deep line playmaker so i it's you know gilmore was kind of getting into speed i think he he did show some elements of it in the second half where he was kind of again i i think the team looked better in the second half and unsurprisingly that's because this team this starting 11 hasn't played like this together before nick so i'm not surprised everybody looked a little bit better in the second half but again it's you know he's not a starter in this team for obvious reasons and it was great to get him out there and see what he could do but I, I don't necessarily think this is a I'm not using this match to paint one player and one performance is that is who they are I think it was a a good but not great game from Gilmore and he could have done more in terms of forward passes and trying to kind of distribute forward he when he did do it it looked sharp he needed to do it more I don't think that Billy Gilmore and Jorginho can be in the same team in the same midfield, um, which is probably a, you know a weird thing to say, but I think they're both most comfortable in a deeper role. And when asked to go forward, I think both kind of feel or look out of their depth a little bit. I, Look, Billy Gilmore is going to be a fucking outstanding player at some point. I have zero doubt in my mind about that. Jorginho has already been outstanding this year. Uh, there just didn't seem to be, you know, kind of the the normal pattern of give and go or, or you know, kind of interchange that you would typically expect out of Chelsea's midfield with a Mason Mount or a Barkley even or whatever. And, and it actually comes back to the point that as much as Barkley's last performance was, um, let's just call it lackluster. Um, uh, I think he was a huge miss today, um, a huge miss. If if Barkley's starting on the right, you have Kovacic and you have Virginia. At least you know Barkley's going to try and get forward no matter what and try and break lines. Gilmore, I think his tendency is to always, you know, play defensively. Um, Brandon, so to me, I, 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 you know, I was hoping that Gilmore was going to get the, the deeper kind of starting role, um, give Jorginho a break and that Barkley was going to be healthy enough to play, but, uh, the midfield options are, are a bit scant right now and, um, struggling. Unfortunately, that is exactly right. And Lampard even touched on it after the match. So at Liam underscore to me friend of the pod just trying to name drop as many people as i can this episode i hope you guys don't mind uh but he tweeted lampard says he would have liked to arrest Jorginho and kovacic versus united but he doesn't have the midfield to do so uh the injury updates after this match i mean it was so long no idea about rudiger barkley hopefully this weekend and golakante hopefully in the next two to three matches um ruben is still indefinite it's just it's it's not a good time right now for, for Chelsea, sadly. And um, I I take solace knowing that we have limitations in the squad due to injuries. Because remember, these are out of our control. It's not bad form. It's just tired legs and maybe, you know, rotating so many players today. So again, we can come back stronger and healthier. So that's where I take a couple of very, very small positives from this. But I can... I'll get into a little bit more about how I really feel. Really, one sec. On finally on Kovacic, like Kovacic has been really good so far this year. He looked super leggy today. Like I don't know what it was. He misplaced passes all over the pitch. Really easy passes that a guy of his quality makes ninety five percent of the time. 
I, I don't know what was going on with him, but I was certainly, you know, I, th- I think I left feeling more positive about Gilmore's performance than I did about Kovacic, and that, that shouldn't happen today. Yeah. Oh, McTominay didn't have much trouble going up against Kovacic, which is not what I would have expected to happen when those two were going head-to-head, and I think part of that was the way this match was officiated, more like a cage match than a actual Premier League match, but... Uh, or a Carabao Cup match, even. I I think it is down to a little bit of the lack of rotation for a couple of key players and getting an Agolo Conte back. So a Kovacic and Retz getting a Barkley back, even if they're not necessarily going to be the world beaters or truly elevate the squad. Like just sometimes having a body you can rotate in that can give you a, a seven. Is, is not a bad thing in this moment. Well, the next big name that we should touch on is Gehi or Gerhi. Gerhi. Yeah, there you Look, go. Come on. You um, got it. He, he's going to need to chime in on this and help settle that debate. But again, going to Naz, uh, who quoted Lampard after the match, talking specifically about uh, Gerhi, saying, I thought Gerhi and Billy were really good. I thought Mark showed massive... Uh, or showed a massive positive of the evening. He showed that he can handle this level comfortably today. Uh, honestly, when I turned on the match right away, because I didn't see really see the lineup, I thought it was Fick and Zoom out there. I, I, I honestly did. I, the way he was just so composed on the ball, and he looked, as Lampard said, he looked so comfortable. It took me a while. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, that's not even Tomori. I was like, my bad. I just missed it. But just, again, he looked like he had been in the squad for weeks. And I was so impressed with his poise and demeanor in the match. Um, uh, Naz goes on to talk about he had 91.7% pass completion out of 96 passes. And he also won all four of his duels. So, I, you know, Nick, with just the kind of surface level analysis, the eye test there, um, where were you at on, on Mark Gerhe's, um performance this evening? I mean, yeah, it's not perfect, right? Like, there were some times... Um, he misplaced, what, two passes? You're right, it wasn't perfect. Right, no. <laughs> no, I I, th- I think what I mean by that is, like, uh, since uh, you know, I'm Captain Itest here, I think there are, there were times where he and Zuma ended up swapping or they were overshading to one side because the way that United set up was essentially to play as much on the counter as seemingly possible and blast with speed. Um, Daniel James and Marcus Rashford, who are both incredibly quick in their own right. And I think that for the most part, Zuma and Gurhi handled that well. Alonzo had a rough day. And I think, you know, for as rough a day as he had, Gurhi actually played relatively well, considering they're on the same side. Uh, and then I think I think Reese was fine uh, for the most part, um, but th- that was their plan, right? So Dan, um, stat me all you want, but I think what I saw from Gurhi was um, poise, which I I was very very much interested in, given the incredible difference between um, was our, who was our last opponent? Uh, Freaking Carabao Cup. I can't uh, remember. Grimsby Town? Grimsby Town. And yeah. I've Grimsby. already forgotten, long I was forgotten. trying to figure out if you meant like last opponent all oh, sorry. Or- <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Stream of consciousness betrayed me there. Um, yeah, gr- there's a large difference, Dan, between Grimsby Town and their wealth of attacking options and, and Daniel James running at you on, on the right side. And I think, uh, I think he acquitted himself pretty well. I think Brandon's comment about Fakayo and, and him stylistically is accurate best player on the pitch day uh i i don't think and i don't say that lightly yeah i mean i think he looked up for it he was composed i think it's a really great shout out you know what our friend uh phil chelsea used tweet i think this sums it up perfectly a word for mark he it steady confident and very very comfortable you wouldn't have guessed he was only making his second senior appearance and while you don't have to rush him having him in reserve and coming up in the next year or two gives you confidence. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's been interesting to watch what are the players that Chelsea have developed now. You know, we, we've developed a Premier League striker in Tammy Abraham. We've developed a really great, uh, flexible midfielder that can do the 8-10 the in Mason Mount. 
and you're looking at Fakayo Tomori and now Mark Gurhi coming in and offering us two center back options that are homegrown as well. That's a really exciting core to have birthed and developed from Cobham. And yeah, I, I was very impressed and it makes me feel extremely comfortable and confident knowing that, you know, with Christensen struggling with Rudiger, who does have some injury concerns that we have depth in that area through the remainder of the season, Brandon, that doesn't make me feel as concerned. Like when we were talking about the midfield and you start going down the list and you start to kind of do the, Oh, are we really okay? I think in center back is the one area on this team where you, you feel even more okay about it that we did at the beginning of the season where we were trying to figure out like, how do you fit all these players in? Who's going to stay healthy? Who's going to make crazy mistakes and, I don't feel that way about our center back pairing. I think the wing backs or the you know uh, left back, right back is probably where there's more concern. Well, we can talk about right back actually. Reese James starting for SP, uh, not a not a huge surprise. I don't I don't think so. Overall, uh, his stats, Dan, uh, were pretty impressive on paper. I'll, I'll leave maybe the eye test door open, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, talk to us about Reese James and, and what he did in the stat lines. Yeah, 81% passing accuracy, 55 passes, 109 touches, six long balls completed, one key pass, four aerial duels, one, two tackles, two for two dribbles. He looked sharp. He looked like someone who was very comfortable going up against some uh, top-tier talent, and I think that that was uh, very exciting to to watch and witness. Times where he was able to... Stand up against uh, the attacking threats of either Rashford or Lingard or James, and just either body them up or throw in some really great blocks. His positioning, Nick, and I think this is what I really enjoy: his ability to get into position, even after maybe being turned or played off the ball. It, it, the recovery is fantastic. Yes, uh, I think his speed was evident today. His physicality was evident. Um, you know, I would like to. Yeah, you know, obviously at right back, you're you're taking more passing risks than, than maybe our center back pairing was. Um, you know, I think he ended up playing a few balls down the sideline, Brandon, that that just didn't quite get there. That Callum got bodied off on, or something like that. But uh, so I'd like to see that number go up a little bit. But I think where I was most impressed with him. Um, you know, and again, when, when you ship two goals, even though there were two uh, dead ball um, goals, you, you can't be overly impressed with the defense. But I think where I was impressed with him was United pressed the shit out of us all day, like almost all day. Mm-hmm. And he ended up working his way out of the press more frequently um, with ease than I, than I anticipated him be, being able to do. And that is... That's a skill that will benefit him for the rest of his career to be able to understand, you know, much like we'd watch, you know, any, you know, pick your favorite NFL quarterback, throw the ball to the area the receiver is going to be. Also was the same with him playing a ball that he knew that he could get a good one, two on and break the press and then open up lanes. And I was I was really happy with that. I think some of the tackling maybe is is going to get refined, and and over the years we'll we'll probably look a little bit more smooth. But um, but yeah, overall, I mean, you know, probably seven point five out of ten. Uh, well, definitely not according to who scored. That is for sure. But who is <laughs> taking those stats? Uh, an interesting kind of summation tweet at uh, sub c underscore says. Bored to say the same stuff over and over again. Positives. Gilmore actually quickens the pace of the game. James with a couple of good deliveries. You don't notice Gurhi, which is excellent for a debutante 19-year-old center back. Kovacic decent, albeit marked out by McTominay. Um, and I think that really lends into what we want to talk about in the next point, Nick, is, is, is United set up to nullify a lot of what Chelsea had going for them. And this is probably where I'll get a little bit more animated and a little bit more emotional. Um, But before you get that treat, we are going to take a really quick break. So a thank you to the sponsor for supporting the show financially. And when we are back, we are literally going to be talking about Chelsea's struggle to break down United, 
what they were doing to counteract us. And then we'll obviously talk about um, how are people feeling? Is the is it all over? Is the is the fun and the love over? Should we start can you know being losing our minds or, or what? So a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, well let's get a little emotional, guys. Let's get a little animated here because it's time to talk about what struggles Chelsea had in this match against United. Um, again, if we if we kind of reset the context that Chelsea had sixty three percent possession against Manchester United, that's a lot. Only two shots on target is not a lot. And that's something that we have to come to terms with. So Newman on Twitter, at NamiFooty, saying 63% possession, but credit to Ole and his man-marking Chelsea haven't been able... Or, I'm sorry, credit to Ole and his man-marking of Chelsea uh, that Chelsea hadn't been able to do anything with that possession. Chelsea have rarely found a free player because of United's tight man-marking. Um... I do appreciate Liam's tweet, Nick, talking, you know, again, he's just quoting Lampard here post-match, says, United's approach was like Newcastle's. Five defenders at the back, two more defensive midfielders in front, but he did call Rashford's free kick special. So, Nick, where I'm at is, um, before we even get into the details, like, I'm super pissed we lost. I don't care if it's the Carabao Cup. I don't care if we made six, seven, eight changes. I, everything was going so well, and to have this deflating of a performance against United over some fluke ass goals, it just it just drives me nuts because they're so preventable. We gave them chances to to be special, and they were, which goes against all logic. But we know how that's that's how these things go. Arsenal banged in five against Liverpool today, like cup matches defy logic and we got to witness that firsthand and i don't really want to hear anyone on social media saying hey it's okay it's just to care about cup no we lost and if manchester united is frank's bogey team that's going to be really annoying for the next 10 years while frank's at the helm 10 years there's so much to unpack there over under you know i'm just ballparking (laughs) um i bet marco could give you some good odds on that brandon so you should Mm -hmm. uh see your local bookie there um yeah, look, I, I think, you know, the first comment is that losing to Manchester United fucking sucks. I, I hate them. Because they're um, bad. Yeah, and, like, losing to this Manchester United sucks. Um, the, look, do they have some talent? Sure. Are they a good team? No. Are they, what, 12th in the Premier League? Yes. Uh, should we? Should we have given them you know, a spanking probably. And I I think there are a few things that go into this performance. One, they were well up for it and our team didn't look like they were. If I'm completely honest, I think it was very lackluster, low energy type of performance. Uh, There were a couple of bright spots. You know, I think the call out of Gilmore is probably right. I think um, Reese obviously brought it. Um, Callum and Christian looked a little, eh, you know, and, and, you know, that, that to me, like, if you only have some of, of your players kind of bought into it, it makes for a really tough night. That's what it looked like. Uh, the other thing is Chelsea have played a lot of football recently, um, a lot of high-level football recently. And I think just like a hitter, Dan, in the World Series or whatever, if you've gone on this incredible tear – you're bound to fall off at some point. And I think this is just one of those classic scenarios where Chelsea, you know, had scored all the goals they were going to score for the month and, and we're, we're uh, bar one. We're out. Yeah. Uh, no, no, uh, no two hour free delivery to, uh, to get the replenishment we needed there. Um, yeah, I, I think United are interesting just because I think the results that they have achieved mask, that there are nuggets of being a, a good team in there. And you look at the fact that they, they beat a very, very strong you know, Leicester team early in the season. They drew with Liverpool. And they, they got they, some fluky results, right? Like they lost to Newcastle. Um, they had to go to penalties versus uh, Rochdale in the last round of the Carabao Cup. Just yeah, it's So there's... A Jekyll and Hyde to them, and I guess if you're looking for positives, uh, we didn't lose 4-0. We scored this time against Manchester United, and we did it with 
a lineup that uh, I would say is not as strong as a lineup we've been fielding in the Premier League or maybe even against uh, you know, Ajax or in our Champions League games. Yeah, I know it's different when you play in the Europa League like United are right now, and you have to kind of think a little bit differently about the type of lineups they put together. I, I guess I'm not overly bothered because I think a loss had to be coming at some point. It Yes, does it suck that we lost to Manchester United? But we will also learn a ton from losing. And if we kind of keep on scraping by with wins, uh, that might that's similar to what happened with Sari last season, where we went on this initial tear that was super exciting with a lot of wins, and it masked over the fact that those wins, all of them were not very good. And I think it helped create this narrative that eventually led to the downfall later in the season. So some doses of reality um, in a cup competition, which, again, stinks to be out of because it'd be nice to get some silverware. Um, I would rather it be in the cup competition uh, like the Carabao Cup versus you know losing potentially three points that keep us out of um, you know maybe vying for the title because that looks like it's not a closed-door case at all, Brandon. But that sounds like participation trophy stuff. Like... At least I don't, we, no, I want us to go for. I want us to go for the title. No, but here, so like I'm, I'm saying, but to me, it's like at least we scored against United. Like, but we lost, and and we lost to like a poor version. We lost to a worse version of United today than what we lost to in the league. Granted, we were a less team than United, but I do have to say that, you know, like I, I, we, you know, we don't have to think a loss is coming either. Like, we are in such a great momentum ride and things like this. But the one thing that I, th- that I will give us a pass on is Lampard rotated this squad a ton, and sadly it still wasn't enough. We had tired legs in midfield, as noted. You know, Callum did not do great today. To be fair, either did Christian. Nick, I think that was fair, both sides. But Callum's decision-making and uh, just his finishing was extra poor today um and 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 that hurts because when we do get those limited chances in these competitions we just weren't able to do anything with it and i just got interrupted by the cat who literally jumped on my desk and wanted to say hi spooky season um i will pick up on that point uh for the cat and i think the yeah like i i think where frank where Frank is going to not be okay, but but be able to reconcile is that, um, I guess maybe even similarly to the four nil, this was not a comprehensive Manchester United performance. I mean, fuck, man, like they defended for their lives. Yeah, like Mark Alonso gave away a really dumb penalty, and you can question whether or not it was actually a penalty. Whatever, it, it was given as a penalty. Dude, that was softer than a Kleenex. Yeah. Come on. That, that penalty was, like, hip to hip, no hitting of the leg. It just... Yeah. It uh, looked awkward because he looks awkward lunging. Like, and I think that's where he's never going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm being serious about that. Like, I think it was the same when Modic used to do that kind of stuff, and it's almost always a foul. Um... The other thing is, you look at the injury, you know, the injuries and and the lack of rotation. This game was the culmination of not rotating for the last six to or six ish weeks, really. Um, to me, if if everybody is is relatively healthy, or you only have a couple of injuries, you know, you likely get to see one of N'Golo Conte or Mason Mount in there today instead of neither. Um, you likely get to see, uh, you know, Christian Pulisic and or Callum and or William in there, um, all of whom are dead tired after playing a lot. Like, I, I think the the previous matches were the indictment on today. The team did not look psyched up. They didn't look ready to play. They did, you know, they grew into the game for periods in the second half, Brandon. But like to me, this was coming. Oh, you know, it had to be coming. I know that you're saying, "Oh no, there's no way." Like teams on a positive momentum run. Yeah, kind of. But you like 
you could easily look at the team that he put out there today, and it was like trying to make the best meal with what whatever was left in your fridge, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, if we look at substitutions a little bit, Eric, he sent me a text saying, why are Chelsea managers allergic to two strikers? I know Conte did it a couple times. Uh, he's saying he would have taken off uh, Pulisic and put on Tammy instead of Pedro so they could play the long ball a bit, um, try to, to combat United's three center backs that turns into pseudo six uh, defenders back there. But you had Pedro come on, Mason Mount come on, and Tammy Abraham come on. We pretty much just changed out our front three, more or less, which is what he did last weekend and it worked yeah but we, we needed to keep hold of the ball like and that i mean that was the you know you put in a second striker and the way they were going after tammy and mishi you know if that was the case like we, we were gonna continue losing the ball and not get the opportunities to move it forward at least with pulisic on mount on pedro on you know you had some possibility of retaining the ball and getting it in getting to make the run behind in dangerous spaces that you would not have had because those two strikers would have been marked out of it. Well, I mean, you have five in the midfield as far as like a possession to help with it a little bit. Well, it depends. Probably four in the midfield, you know, but I kind of go back to like Mishi. Mishi did it. He did the business against three. It was kind of one of those days where they weren't on it as well. Do does two at least give them a chance to link up a little better? I mean, Nick, I don't know, obviously, but I just... I wasn't overly thrilled with the substitutions as well today from Frank. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think the mistake was not necessarily the strikers, although I do understand the point of we're the only team in the league that is illegal to play two strikers at once. Um, I, I think the mistake, to me at least, would have been uh, if it were me at halftime and I saw the way the team is playing, and it, it's no offense to um, Mateo, but I would have yanked Kovacic and thrown on Mount and gone full four two three one and tried to see if Gilmore and Jorginho could have balanced out the midfield a little bit. Um, part of the problem was Kovacic was giving the ball away a lot. There were a lot of misplaced passes there, and like to be fair to him, like the whole team was doing that frequently. Callum did it a shit ton too, but I would have tried to to really solidify the attack by, you know, if, if, if we're losing the ball because bats isn't as good at holding it up, then we got to give him a pressure valve release and that would have been Mount. And I, I just, I, I would have liked to see that, but uh, what's done is done. I suppose. Are, are we done? Is that it? Is that how we end this? Well, I mean, I, I just, you know, it, yes, it sucks, but again, we, we've had some, yeah, I mean, we we get back into the match uh, versus Lille to win two one. You know, we we've not been a hundred percent comprehensive in most of these matches. And again, if you look at it on the day, the goals that Manchester United got today did not come from a moment of open field play. They came from bad eyesight on a penalty challenge and a bad giveaway that led to someone fouling in the in an inappropriate area and a master strike like this if it feels worse because i think i think that's the reason why it feels bad is because this was a winnable game in every capacity of it uh, outside of luck and i think that's where it's okay to feel good about i think the future path and the path forward because not every team is going to be that lucky against us every time. It just stinks that it happened to be United in a cup competition where we could have advanced forward. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and wrap this up with, uh, are anyone's feelings changed about the team, Lampard, specific players? Um, or is it still, you know, keep the wheels on the road ahead? Liam tweeting uh, that Lampard stressed after the match at the Premier League and reaching the Champions League knockout stages are Chelsea's priorities. And then Honoré Kumquat97 on Discord. So if you want to <laughs> hang out with them, asks, is it okay for us to laugh at United fans who try to banter Chelsea online? Should we engage or just laugh them off? Considering that United has been playing like a relegation side recently. And I mean, come on, Honoré, here's the deal. I think United would trade places with Chelsea 
You can quote me, Cundy. Is that, is that um, Jason Cundy on the podcast? Uh, sure is. Quick special appearance. Uh, but let's get back to the fact that, you know, Dan, we know this isn't Chelsea's priority, but it was very valuable, and it would have been nice to stay in it. But at the same time, we've also complained at fixture congestion. So is this one okay to let go in the grand scheme of things? Yes, without question. Like this is something we should not be bothered about because at the end of the day, getting to watch this product unfold, getting to watch you know what Frank and his team are doing and knowing that when we've not done well this season, uh, the impact of a loss or a draw and how that allows us to to push forward. I mean, it's exciting stuff. I mean, you know, we we had a, a loss to Liverpool in the Premier League that felt like it almost was a win at points. We had, you know, a tough loss to Valencia. You know, we, we've had some interesting matches this season. I just think that, you know, we should be okay with the fact it is a roller coaster element to it, but continuing to see progress, continuing to see development. I mean, and those are the things that we should chart as being exciting this season, Nick. And I think Lampard's point about Champions League knockout stages and Premier League focus, especially when we are in the top four, when it's a tight point battle, even though it doesn't look like it on paper because people thought that Liverpool was win- were winning the league at the end of last season into this season. Like, this is anybody's competition still. Like, this is not written in stone. And Chelsea do crazy things. Yeah, I mean... I think as you're thinking about this competition, this competition for Chelsea over the last, uh, you know, 20 years, whatever, um, has been to stretch the legs of uh, bench players and youth talent. And if you can get really far, then we'll play our real team and try and win it. And that's basically been the formula, right? Um and it's not to say that that isn't valuable because, of course, it's valuable. Mark he doesn't get a Premier League start this year, most likely, right? So, to me, that is incredibly valuable. It's incredibly valuable to see Billy and his masterful performance against Grimsby Town um, in September in person and, and get to watch him run the pitch like uh, one Cesc Fabregas, for example. Um, but if you look at the depth of this squad no matter how much the good vibes are going around it right now, Brandon, even if you have all of our players healthy, um, our, our priorities would have left this one out. Um, I just don't think there's the depth and talent necessary to go all the way in this one this year. And if you're not going to do that, then I'm okay putting all of our talent and energy into what we what we know is the league first and then the Champions League second. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. As, as obnoxious and annoying and bullshittery as this is, um, as you mentioned, the bigger picture prevails here. The good news is we don't have to wait long for another match. Watford at the weekend. I don't want to say that that's... I'm nervous for that. I'm like, what are they, last don't. in the league? Don't like, jinx us, please. You're go do gonna, the business. No, I'm saying like, negative sixteen goal put the, difference. Put the, just out put of the, yeah, put the starters back in. Do the damn business, and when we do it, like all will be right in the Chelsea world. Um, I think Nick. It was a very composed message in the sense that this is the role of this competition for Chelsea. I don't know. Pundits will complain uh, that the big teams don't use the best players. Sorry, we got other shit going on and it is the league, Frank's first season, transfer ban. We're dealing with a lot more than anyone else in the league. And so, again, it was great for Matson, um, for Andrin to get minutes. Reese James got minutes that night. I mean, the amount of players, Billy Gilmore, that got blooded in this competition already was fantastic. Bummer we don't get one more. But, hey, Klopp said Liverpool are probably not playing in the next round, so maybe they can just scoot us in. Uh, in case he decides to just bail them out. And, um, well, we, we've got that going for us, maybe. So, s- slight technicality option. But either way, I think that anyone who is maybe calling for Frank's head or, you know, lambasting the team over this, I just don't think this is the right one to to kind of sacrifice yourself for. They also don't listen to this podcast. They also are. true. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to be our, our thing. Uh, all right, so... 
Dan, we didn't do a man of the match poll. You uh, you threw an audible at at the at the audience. So uh, what did you throw at them? Yeah, I felt like a you know bad bad place to uh, talk about man of the match or a Dan of the match when you don't win. So uh, th- instead, we did a best part of Mishi's goal because there was a lot to celebrate in that, and uh, we threw in the celebration, which uh, got eleven percent ball control from the heading it down to the managing to play it forward and you know popping it off uh, 13%. The strike itself, 31%, very commendable. Uh, no surprise, mugging off McGuire, 46%. Was the winner, Nick. That makes sense to me. Get him out of here. Mugging off McGuire. And and yeah, I think to, the final point is let, let United fans throw their bants. Let them do it. Um, they, they know that this is a hollow victory and... Um, when they look up all the way up and squint their eyes and they can see us at the, you know, near the top of the table while they're wallowing in mid table. Um, just remember that, you know, act like we've been there before we have, uh, and much more recently. All right. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for us because there is no more table in the care about cup. It is over for Chelsea, sadly, but as you mentioned in a couple short days we will be playing Watford in the Premier League all right we're gonna be headed over to Vicarage Road taking on the Watford Wasps just kidding I know that's not their nickname Um, but we're headed up there Uh, home of Lee Parker by the way for all of you that are unaware so I'm sure he'll be excited to be there but um, that's what we got to focus on let's get some guys some rest get back to where we are do the business in the league and that will keep everyone happy And I think that's what we're all expecting. So, again, let us know what you thought about everything we discussed. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or if you're on Patreon, you can join the Discord server. And we will continue this discussion up until the weekend. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.